Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. I'm sitting in my living room with the computer in front of me. There is baseball on my television, which counts for real things. It is regular season, real baseball. It is on my TV now. I also, uh, just it, you're now forewarned that I'm every time you see me look up above the zoom camera, Sam, I'm not paying attention to you. I, just mean, I, don't know. I was going to say, you don't have a TV in your closet. Like what is this? <laughs> you are foregoing no. potential audio quality so that you can watch. I am, that is what true. Is, the recording studio does, does not about have this podcast. The recording studio. I can't even reach my hand out and fully extend my arm in front of me of the recording studio. So it also does not have a, uh, does not have a TV. Uh, but welcome into this week's episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball as major league opening day has arrived in 2021. My name is Tyler Mon. He is Sam Dykstra and we are joined today by uh, the two compadres with whom we have uh, always previewed the major league season. Josh Jackson and Kelsey Hennigan join the show. Hello, you two. How are you? Hello. Hello. How are well, you? We're, we're hanging in, man. It's uh, obviously been a while since we talked and did a season preview episode, uh, at least for a full season. I know we kind of did one last year, but I just tried to block all of last year out from my head. Um, so it's like kind of normal this time around, and we're going to get to all of our predictions. Uh, we're going to get to all of the categories that we would ordinarily get to. Um, but it's, it's, first of all, just very good to see your faces. Josh has some incredible quarantine hair going on right now which every time he has run his hands through it it has stood up higher and higher and i am uh i'm actually very envious i just i want you to know thank you i it's uh you know i'm trying to i'm running my hair through right now trying to get some audio on there because i feel <laughs> like people would really enjoy listening to the sound of hair being rubbed um that i when i started talking that was sarcastic but then there's there There's like are, a whole market for ASMR podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's what we're I can see to. the wheels turning in Josh's ASMR? head. DSBTS ASMR. That's going to be the next stage of this podcast. A lot of uh, a lot of initialisms. Uh, well, let's get started here in this 2021 season preview conversation. As uh, here are the topics year after year. We have gone through these topics and we have broken down what we thought will be award winners, who we thought would uh, hit the most home runs, who we thought would get the most strikeouts in, in the minor leagues, who we thought would do all of these fun things, the minors and majors, as well as major league predictions 
pennant winners, World Series picks, the prospects who are going to make the biggest impacts graduating from the minors this year. And we're going to kick things off much the way the Oscars do the supporting actor and actress very early on. We're going with American League and National League Rookies of the Year. We are going uh, alphabetically by first name. So Josh Jackson kicks off our picks. Josh, American League and National League Rookies of the Year. Fire away. For the American League, I've got Andrew Vaughn. Um, I, you want me to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, give us give us your rationale. Right? Okay. You got to remind me how Andrew we do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An, so a I, great reporter question. Talk about I Andrew like Vaughn. the I like the way he hits. I like I like that swing that he has. I you know I really liked uh, you know he was walking from the start of the camp, getting walks, but also showing a little bit of power. And then he starts hitting some singles and and getting a little bit of consistency toward the end. Um, but just his, his I, I just like the way that that he hits. I I think. Um, uh, in terms of consistency and power he's he's an exciting guy and could have like a really exciting kind of season um i would encourage you to go up go and and look up his his home run at camelback ranch from uh march 18th um if you're into that if you have a device available where you can do that that is a very impressive home run um if and if you've been to Camelback Ranch and you can like know where that ball lands, it's, it feels it's even more impressive. Um, and I also really like that you know the White Sox have enough faith in him to like pull him out of position, <laughs> like a what like a week or not quite like a week and a half before opening day. Um, so for those reasons, my pick for the American League Rookie of the Year is uh, Andrew Vaughn. Do All you right. want to I like go it. Into the National yeah, League? Yeah, dive into the National League. You know, I think if you're not choosing <laughs> Brian Hayes, I think you're being a little bit of, of a provocateur um, and maybe a little bit disingenuous. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't think like there's a 100% chance he's the NL Rookie of the Year. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I do think at this point, <laughs> right now, from, from where we're sitting, if, if you're like looking at the names and looking at spring performances and looking at what he did last year and he's not your guy um you're like trying to be a little bit sneaky okay i, I think that's a good i think it's a good point um i also like that we got the term provocateur mixed in very early into this episode uh kelsey fire away al and nl mvps uh, so for the AL, I went with Andrew Vaughn's teammate, Nick Madrigal, uh, the foe of the three true outcomes. He's always putting the ball in play, which is great. He has a 70 grade hit tool. He's plus speed to back it up when he doesn't necessarily hit the ball out of the infield. He had 340 in 29 games last year with Chicago, so he's already gotten his feet wet. Um, and then he did separate his shoulder this past October and had surgery, but he seems to be right back to it. In spring, he hit 357 with 10 hits so I think he's just going to keep going and I you know I it's kind of fun when it's not a home run hitter who wins uh, rookie of the year or like a big power strikeout guy you know is the, the small guy the second baseman so that's I think that's fun um, so I'm going with magical and then I guess I am not a provocateur because I also went with Hayes <laughs> I I almost went with Dylan Carlson but then I was like no I it's it's haze like i like you said it's like why you're picking for a specific reason if you don't pick him he's the favorite for a reason um he hit really well last year he's 
does even better in spring training. He homered in opening day. Um, and his defense is also good, so he has that to go with it. Um, yeah, I mean, Carlson could, but it's most likely going to be Cabrian Hayes. Samuel F. Dykstra. P. Dykstra. Uh, say, my R. middle Dykstra? name is just... Which one? P. Apparently it's P, according to you people. According to my birth certificate, it's C, but I don't know which one we're going off these days. Um, Accurate for one, me, obviously, which is P. I, I am definitely more... I am definitely more the provocateur, I guess. There's that word again. Ooh. On the AL side. Um, not not on the NL side, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. On the AL side, it, it feels weird to say I'm a provocateur for saying this. My pick's going to be Wander Franco. Uh, I know he's not starting out the year in the majors. I know that it, you know it could be until May or June until we see him and that he's a, starting a little bit behind the eight ball compared to the guys Josh and Kelsey mentioned specifically uh, with Vaughn and, and Madrigal who are going to be getting consistent at bats from the beginning. But here's my point. Wander Franco is going to start out the year at the alt site. He's going to be right on the doorstep. Um, the Rays are, you could say, and we'll get into this more later, potentially, they, you could say they are the third best team in their division right now, even though they are the reigning AL pennant winners. They're going to need all the talent they can get to get past the Blue Jays and potentially past the Yankees. Don't know if that's going to happen, but we could get to a point in early May, even as Franco is getting, you know, just – getting started at triple a Durham uh, where they could look at their offense and be like, we're not where we need to be. Guess what? We have the number one overall prospect in the game. I think it's very possible. He gets 400 plate appearances. If that's true, he's going to be competing for the AL batting title. He'll be right there with magical, no doubt, but he has a little bit more power uh, than magical does. The question is going to be, where does he play? I know he played a bit, a little bit of third base this spring. Some evaluators think he could slide over to second as well doesn't really matter where he plays. It, it's He has the potential to hit 310, 320, even as a rookie with 20 homers. If that happens, that's instantly a rookie of the year candidate. Um, I know we, we've kind of been spooked before by saying Vlad Jr. felt like a sure thing when he was the number one overall prospect and came up and struggled a little bit. I don't see the, it the same way quite really with, with Franco. He seems even more of a sure thing than maybe Vlad was. Um, so he's my AL rookie of the year pick. Uh, on the NL side, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Key Brian Hayes for all the reasons they mentioned. Uh, one thing I will throw out there, I think it's legitimately possible that he wins a gold glove this year at third base. Um, I, I know Nolan Arenado, Tyler, how many has he won? Eight, I believe, at, Eight. at third base. Still sticking around the NL now with St. Louis. Uh, but Hayes, hearing some of the stuff about him coming up through the minors, about how sure his hands were, how good his arm is, um, how majorly ready he was looking as early as like class A advanced or double A uh, defensively and for him to carry that forward. And now he has, you know, uh, some brand recognition for sure. Um, I think he, he can make the highlight plays. He can make the plays that are going to show up in some of the advanced categories as well. Uh, Hayes, I think it, as, as Josh said, is the runaway favorite here, but um, I will, if you're looking at laying odds, I, I think he's worth a look at gold glove as well. I want to point out the uh, MLB.com experts uh, selected, maybe not surprisingly, Randy Arozarena as their pick for American League Rookie of the Year. I'm not going with him either, and neither did uh, any of you three. Um, my selection, I want to go uh, a little provocateurish as well. 
I'm going with Jared Kelenic. And much like Sam said with, with Wander Franco, I know he's not starting the year at the major league level, but uh, Jared Kelenic, to me, this is when the Mariners start taking that step forward. I think the Mariners have a very promising five-year window ahead of them. As these guys start to arrive, I think they have a ton more motivation because of how they've been uh, coming up through the system together. Um, the way, especially Kelenic and Julio Rodriguez, the relationship that they formed, we talked to both those guys about uh, that friendship last year uh, over the long layoff. Um, then there was the other stuff that happened with the Mariners this offseason. I feel like that group uh, has a gigantic chip on its shoulder. They have the longest postseason drought in American professional sports on the major four. Um, there is something about this group and this team that I think is going to make big noise this year in the American League West. And I think Jared Kellenick is going to be that guy in the AL. Uh, and Yaki Brian Hayes on the NL. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say for that. Um, as far as our second candidate uh, or category goes, there was one candidate nominated in this category uh, in the in the selections for AL and NL Rookie of the Year that was actually kind of my Dark Horse Rookie of the Year guy. But uh, as far as your Dark Horse picks go, Josh Jackson, we will start with you, American League and National League Rookie of the Year Dark Horse candidates. So we're doing we're doing both. I just want to or be- or one or the other. Let's yeah. say one. Let's okay. go with one. Let's go okay. one. I was told one in either one. Yeah, I'm going with one because, especially because the one that I picked for the AL is not a dark horse. I mean, he is, but not you know. So now that'll be a mystery for everybody. <laughs> it's a blonde horse, <clears throat> right? Uh, <laughs> ready for? Are you ready for to be shocked? <laughs> My horse rookie of the year is Anderson Espinoza. Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Okay! Whoa. Blast from the past. Here's here's how it could work. Here's how it could work. Huh. Things, you know, get a little weird for the Padres, um, especially on the pitching staff as a whole. And he breaks in, you know, things go well for him for a while. He breaks in on the bullpen at first, um, but then things just start getting weirder with, with the Padres rotation and their needs, and they need him to start. And suddenly by midsummer, he's he's like the guy that everybody thought he was in 2016. But but he's also he's like even better than that guy because now he's got like incredible poise. Um, it sounds like you're describing a dream you had. Just from it's a vision <laughs> I have, Tyler, a vision. Um, and so you know, he he despite the Padres getting to this weird and unfavorable situation, um he helps them make the playoffs, you know, despite that weirdness, the, the, the weirdness that facilitates his call up. Um, he helps them overcome with, with his call up and, and, and is the rookie of the year. Interesting. Very interesting choice. I like that pick. Uh, Kelsey, yours. Yeah. Another reliever in the NL. Um, okay. So my dark horse I almost picked him as my favorite, but then I kind of Googled and it looked like he, nobody was picking him. So I guess he became a dark horse. So I'm going with Taylor Trammell, uh, the number 100 of our top 100 rankings. Um, he had a pretty exciting spring with an over a thousand bad air OPS, um, had three home runs. I know he's coming in there to replace Kyle Lewis and, you know, while he's injured, but I just have this feeling that he's just going to get going. And then once Kyle Lewis comes back, the Mariners are going to realize they just need Taylor Trammell to keep going. Um, he's just such an exciting player. His speed is his best tool, but he's shown that he can be so much more than that. Um, and yeah, I think that the AL rookie of the year will just stay in Seattle. Maybe. 
Sam? Um, I'm going back to San Diego uh, for this one. And I'm going to say Tuca Pizza Marcano. Which one of the best names in baseball? One of the best. Training fan favorite. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of that, it feels a little bit like I'm coming off the spring and being like, well, you know, he had a great spring training. So obviously he's going to do great. It's not just based on that. Trust me. Um, What I like about him is he can kind of be what Jake Cronenworth was for the Padres last year. Now I know they brought in Rake Cronenworth as the the kids called him in San Diego. Yeah. Cronenworth probably could have been rookie of the year last year, faded down the end. And when Devin Williams was shutting everybody down, like he just swooped in and took the award. Um, But Marcano can play multiple positions as he's done. That's how he got on the opening day roster. And, you know, the Padres are going to be playing competitive baseball. They're going to want to put him into multiple positions and have him fill, fill multiple spots. Like that has value on a roster. Uh, So the fact that he is coming off a a hot spring, he's a pretty good runner. Um, When I was doing, you know, looking at some stat cast data, he had one of the best home to first times in the game. That's going to keep him around, I think for a little bit longer than just April. Uh, and then if he can keep hitting and keep finding, you know, getting some time at second, getting some time in the outfield, maybe there's an injury that allows him to lock down more of a spot. I just really like players who are that versatile. And, and when a team can look at a player and recognize that, yeah, you are versatile. We want you around every day from the beginning. I think it's only going to grow from there. I'm not, you know, for him to overcome Hayes or Carlson, like you said, or Ian Anderson or Sixto Sanchez, like all these very clear NL favorites, there's a reason why he's a dark horse, but the fact that he does enough to stay around a major league roster, potentially for 162 games, that's going to be huge. And, and that's going to give him a leg up over some of these guys who are going to get called up in May and June who might have higher ceilings. Um, so, so that's my pick. Tyler, do you have one? I do. Um, and I will preface this by saying it's kind of a cheat pick because I did the same thing in the same category last year and it didn't work out then either. Um, but uh, last year I picked uh, Shogo Akiyama, who signed out of Japan with the Cincinnati Reds. This year I'm going likewise to the San Diego Padres and it shows you how talented the Padres are that we have like nine different guys in the Padres who could theoretically be rookie of the year this year. Um, Hassan Kim, the infielder who signed with the Padres out of Korea. Uh, I, I just love his game. I got to see him play uh, at the premier 12 tournament in Korea a couple of years ago at shortstop for them. Obviously he'll be uh, at second base for the Padres this season, um, but coming off of a, a six year stint, uh, seven year stint actually in the KBO, uh, he debuted in the KBO at 18 years old and um, he's still only 25. And I feel like just has a game that translates pretty well. Um, the way he can put the bat to the ball, uh, very smooth defensively. I really like uh, what Hassan Kim can do. And so even though he's not a traditional rookie, quote unquote, that's my cop out pick. And uh you know, it, it probably won't work out just like last year. And because Key Brian Hayes is way too good. Um, so we'll move into uh, our third category, which is the team that will rely on its prospects most heavily in this 2021 season. Josh, kick us off. Um, well, I will tell you that I have picked the Miami Marlins. Uh, good pick. And yeah, and, and uh, you know, I'm kind of just sort of as a baseball fan, I'm excited for that one too. Um, you can obviously already see it. Uh, the, you know, I don't, I am assuming first of all, that somebody else has also picked the, the Marlins. So I'm, I'm not going to ramble on forever, but you can already kind of, you can already see it in the opening day roster. Um, and if you look at, you know, their top 30 prospects um, and 
how many of them are pretty darn close to being ready for for um, some major league action. You can see that you know this is this is going to be a young team and an exciting team. So. Kelsey. Uh, I did not pick the Marlins, but maybe someone else did. I picked the White Sox for a similar reason. Um, they already have five guys on their opening day roster who are still prospects with Vaughn, Magical, Kopech, Crochet, and Mercedes. Um, and then I know that, you know, I feel like Stiver, Birdie, and Gonzalez will be back soon. They made their debuts last season. They'll probably come back. And then I'm sure at some point we'll see Blake Rutherford and Gavin Sheets make their debuts. So it's just, you know, they already have, Robert and Anderson coming in, I mean, who've been there. And so they just have all these young guys. And I think they're just going to keep bringing that pipeline from the minors. Um, so yeah, the White Sox. And Samuel. Um, so I was going to say the Marlins, but I'm going to pivot and stay in the state of Florida. And it, this tie, ties back to my rookie of the year pick. Um, I'm going to take the Rays again. Thought you were going to go Blue Jays, staying in the state yes, of I, You know, they were an option, <laughs> and I didn't even consider that. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rays, just again, because I think that is going to be a much more competitive division than they've dealt with the last few years with the investments that the Jays have made. And if you look at the, the Rays roster right now, or the Rays farm system right now, you know, we've talked so much about how it's a deep farm system for years now, and, and they've been able to plug in guys. Um, but the way it's situated right now, seven of the 10 top 10 raised prospects, most of which were in the top 100, let's face it, um, have ETAs on MLB pipeline of 2021. These are all guys who are going to be knocking on the door. And again, they're, they're good talents. Wander Franco, Luis Patino, Randy Arizarena, Vidal Brujan, Brendan McKay is going to be coming back at some point. Shane McClanahan debuted in the majors. Uh, in the postseason last year, Taylor Walls, the, the gifted shortstop prospect, is currently on their taxi squad. Uh, seven of the ten, and and that's not including somebody like Shane Boz, who I think could come out in the second half of the year and be a real power arm for them out of the bullpen or be you know a multi-inning reliever that Kevin Cash really likes. So you know if if the Rays are going to get over that hump and get back to the postseason, they're going to need to really rely on their depth to get there. They're, they have the talent at the lower levels. Um, so even if right now as the major league team is constituted right now, it might be like an 84, 85 win team. I think they get to that 90, 92 level by, you know, relying on Vidal Brujan, who's one of the fastest players in the minors or bring in Luis Patino, who's an electric arm and already has a little bit of major league time. Or again, the number one overall prospect is going to be banging down the door very, very quickly. So why not use him this year and try to make a run back at the world series. So um, I, I really like those two picks, but I just want to add the Rays uh, to the pile as well. I um, am going to go with the Seattle Mariners, and they're similarly a uh, collection of guys, especially toward the top end of that top 30 that have those 2021 ETA dates um, listed uh, according to MLB Pipeline. Jared Kellenick, obviously one of those. Logan Gilbert and George Kirby on the pitching side. Taylor Trammell, who Kelsey talked about. Um, there are even some guys further down the list who I feel like could make contributions this year. Guys that we've kind of forgotten about. I mean, I know he's the shine has fallen off him a little bit, but Jake Fraley, I think the, the talent package, if Jake Fraley can get things put back together, he could still be in the mix in the outfield. Uh, Wyatt Mills um, as somebody who can, um, you know, utilize a, a fairly diverse 
um, arsenal of pitches and, uh, and has the ability to come in and, um, you know, make some relief noise out of the bullpen. I think the Mariners, you know, for whatever reason, I'm so high and have been so high on this core group for a while with the M's that I just feel like maybe this is the year when we finally see these guys not only start to graduate, but all start to graduate, um, somewhat in tandem together. And, um, it's just a fun group. I mean, we followed that group for so long and it seems like this is the time when, all right, maybe Seattle's finally going to be taking that next step forward in a, in an American league East or American league West, rather it's going to be uh, very fun to watch surprise promotion. I feel as though uh, Josh almost already gave us his surprise promotion with his dark horse national league rookie of the year candidate. So now I'm really excited to see if there's a different player that he chose for the surprise promotion, Josh. I did. I didn't want to, uh, yeah on rest on my shocking my laurels of shockingness I, I wanted to surprise you all over again um and so I mean this is actually not that shocking of a pick but <laughs> possibly like cheating a little bit but Zach Thompson I I think um I think you know the Cardinals get into a situation where they are contending um but they have some needs and they have to bring him along like maybe a little bit sooner than than planned like it's not <clears throat> it's not that crazy he he you know did what he did in the in the SEC in the SEC like two years ago but uh so so like on a timeline perspective it's not you know nutty for for him to be um getting big league time but at the same time he hasn't pitched at double a yet um so I went with Zach Thompson and that's why. Okay. I like it. Uh, Kelsey. Yeah. I kind of went a similar route. I went with Max Meyer, the number three overall draft pick last year, which I think Sam might've chosen him too, judging by his reaction. Um, so yeah, Max Meyer, he also has yet to play pro ball. He got a taste of spring training, but didn't even play. Um, but he is 22. He played at Minnesota. He has a fastball in the mid nineties. He has a plus plus slider. Um, you know, I hope that the Marlins don't have the same issues they had last year, but I think that maybe they've learned that they can rely on these young guys and they can bring up a lot of prospects and make a fun roster um, out of that, like you guys have touched on previously. Um, he also hit in college. He was partially an outfielder. So, you know, we still have pitchers hitting in the National League, so the Marlins will like that with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that Mattingly said they, he just wanted him to get his feet wet at camp. He didn't want him to try to throw 100 um, against major leaguers. Um, but I think that, you know, it would be really fun if we see him later this summer. And I think we could. Sam, I think we know who your pick was. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go slightly off what I was going to do. But yes, Max Meyer, guest of this pod a couple weeks ago. Um, one thing we did talk to him about as well is that he started out his career at Minnesota as a reliever. Um, so he already has that experience. If the Marlins somehow shock the world again uh, and are right in the race in the second half, why not use the guy who has a plus plus fastball and a plus plus slider uh, and has experience at the, pitching at the back end of a bullpen? Um, you know, we'll see how he actually takes to the minors. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, but one other name I'll throw in there uh, is Cade Cavalli. Um, is somebody who I think, again, we don't know what the NL East is going to be like. The NL East is going to be I think very competitive uh, in a good way. The Mets and the Braves are the obvious favorites. The Phillies are right there. Um, the Marlins are probably at, at the bottom of the, uh, you know, in the cellar, but like the Nats are like firmly right in the middle there with the Phillies potentially could be knocking against the, 
the Braves and the Mets at the top. And if that's the case, Cade Cavalli is a power arm. Um, I know he, again, somebody who was taken in last year's draft, uh, 22nd overall coming out of Oklahoma, another guest of this podcast. So you can go back and listen to him about what his strengths are. Uh, but Haircuts. they like him a lot. Haircuts. What? Haircuts. Yes. Haircuts are his strength. I mean, well, to your point, like he fit in really well in that, yeah. in that clubhouse. And it seemed like he was somebody who had been there for a while. Um, so Davey Martinez knows what he has, which again is a plus fastball, plus curveball, above average slider and change. It's stuff that could probably play right now. If the Nets like somebody, they have been aggressive in the past, looking at Juan Soto, looking at um, Luis Garcia, who they pushed the majors last year, even Carter Keeboom, they got aggressive with two years ago. That hasn't quite worked out, but they, they have a track record of this. If, if you show us something and we think you are ready right now, we're going to do it. Um, and if they are in that race come August, September, and Cavalli is maybe pushing up against an innings limit but could do an inning or two a week and work out of that bullpen, why let him sit in the minors and you know not get that experience? Why not bring him up to the nation's capital? So Cavalli, much lower ranked and, and taken later in the draft than Meyer was, but I think he's got uh, just as good a shot as Max Meyer does to make the majors in 2021. I kind of thought like, oh, my pick is going to be so shocking, but it's really just the same formula uh, as you guys. And I'm going with, uh, I, I truly believe I was watching the MLB uh, network season preview show. They went through all the uh, experts and their predictions of uh, each division team by team, whatever. I am much more of a believer in the Kansas city Royals than it seems anybody else is. I like the Royals. I like what they have in Kansas city and my weirdo pick to make his major league debut this year is Asa Lacey, who was taken out of Texas A&M last year. Uh, he's the third ranked prospect in the Royal system. The reason I say that, and it's all the same things you guys said, you know, a college guy who can move quickly. The Royals have done that before. The Royals did it with Brandon Finnegan uh, several years back when they were in the World Series, who became, I believe, the first player ever to pitch in the College World Series and the Major League World Series in the same year. Um yes. So they have, they've been able to see in guys, okay, we have something here that we can utilize. If the Royals are in the mix, pushing toward the end of the regular season, the White Sox haven't taken off the way everybody expects them to. Cleveland and Minnesota maybe are, are still fighting it out and the Royals are in that mix. I don't know. Why not take a flyer on somebody like Asa Lacey? He's got crazy stuff. He can touch 97 as a starter. Um, what he could do, maybe coming out in a, in a relief capacity, uh, I like him. One thing, we did this question last year. And I want to do something similar this time, which is piggybacking up what you're saying, Tyler. Last year, we asked, will Wander Franco make his right. major league de- debut in 2020? And, and I said, yes. And, he did. and we all went through that. And yeah, it was, it was a legit question. So I'll ask, I'll ask something similar, but I'm going to change it a little bit, sticking with the Royals. Bobby Witt Jr. had one of the best springs of any prospect. All of a sudden, people were talking about him maybe making the opening day roster before he ever played for a full season team. Do you guys think he will be up in Kansas City before the All-Star break? Yes or no? I do not. I don't think he will be. I, I know there was so much talk about how good Bobby Wood Jr. looked in spring training. Um, and then when he got sent down, I think the reaction was like, well, yeah, that figures. I mean, the guy hasn't even played out a short season ball. I think uh, the Royals will be content to kind of let it cool off. And especially now, granted, if he goes to, to full season ball and all of a sudden we see Bobby Wood Jr. is hitting 375 through the first month, month and a half of the minor league season, uh, then maybe we, we see him accelerate along that timetable. But I don't think we see him in the majors. Yeah, especially not before the All-Star break. 
Like I thought that Tyler was about to say that Bobby Wood Jr. was his uh, surprise pick. And I was like, well, that's not really a surprise. Like, please don't do that. Because even when, when Sam first was talking about these questions, he said to me, like, I hope nobody picks Bobby Wood Jr. as a surprise. Uh, so I, I won't be surprised if he doesn't come up, but if he does, it will, I am 99% sure that it will be after the All-Star break. I was, yeah, I was uh, ready to say yes until you got to that part of the question where you said uh, before the All-Star break, Sam. Uh, and then I did kind of back off. I, I guess, I mean, I could see it happening, but probably not. I mean, no, no, not before the All-Star break. I do think by the end. All right, I'll say yes then. Okay. Um, I think he's up by June. Wow. Or in June, specifically. Wow. Um, awesome. It gives him... You know, more time in April, it gives him time in May to actually perform at, let's say, double A. Um, guys get called up from double A. Not all the time, but it's it's not a rarity. Uh, and if he keeps doing what he's doing, again, like, the guy had a 484-foot home run. You don't do that by accident. That's not luck. Uh, and all the measurables we've heard about from last year's all tight, like, I think even if he wasn't playing in competition, um, he was doing things that people his age just don't do and people in baseball in general just don't do. Um, so you guys are probably right. Like if you are to actually set a line right now, it, in all actuality, he's probably, if he is going to make a debut, it's going to likely be in the second half. That's just a smart bet to make for a 20 year old player. But I, given the aggression of, of Royals and Dayton Moore and, and the way they seem to trust their prospects when they look ready, June seems right to me. So we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. There's not a ton about his, uh, there's nothing really about his game. Um, that would make you say like, well, he's, he would be a detriment at, at, for the Royals in the, in the, yeah. in the starting lineup every day, you know, um, it is all about sort of circumstances and sort of like, well, what, how should we handle this 20 year old with the limited experience? Yeah. He right. just needs to work. He needs the at bats. He needs day in day out action, I think. Um, but you know, it's, it's possible. And I think one thing that last season may have done, um, and really the last few years, but especially last season, I think teams now are viewing prospects in a very different way of, okay, traditionally, yes, it's taken X, Y, and Z, as far as making these guys climb the levels, whatever. Now I think teams are likelier to look at guys and go, Hey, if it looks like he can play at the major league level, why don't we try that? Um, and so that's something that maybe is coming out of the last few years of, uh, of the, the developmental track line for so many top prospects in baseball. Um, yeah. Well, no, just a, a, one last point. Uh, I don't know if you guys read the, the story on ESPN about Juan Soto, but there was a great section in there about, you guys remember the ascent of Juan Soto oh, yeah. and how crazy that was and how he started out again at Hagerstown and like two weeks later was at Potomac and a week later was at Harrisburg. And then a couple of days later was in the, the majors, but there's a great section in the piece by Jeff Passan about, how Mike Rizzo was just like, well, he's doing everything we would ask of any minor leaguer. So he's coming up tomorrow. He's playing left field and he's batting cleanup and everybody was shocked by it, but he was just like, look, this is what he's doing. Like we need to, what else does he need to prove to us? He's doing it on a nightly basis. And Juan Soto is now being compared to Ted Williams. So you're right about like just seeing what the data is. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way we can measure prospects now in ways we used to not be able to. Um, but yeah, what, what is that going to look like coming off 29 or uh, 2020 in which there were no actual games played and it wasn't actual competition. We really don't know until we're going to get back into the season again. Yeah. My other thing is not only has he not played full season ball, but he's never left the complex. Like 
you know, players talk all the time about the mental side of, you know, the long bus rides and staying in, you know, hotels and being away from your family. And I think in a way, the Arizona league is kind of like college a little more than, you know, if he did went to short season last year, you know, last year, or if he did go to uh, low A this year. Um, so I think that's also part of it. You know, he needs to grow up a little bit and I'm not saying that he's not mature. I don't know him. I don't, I'm sure they've said that he's mature, but I just think that like, there's just some seasoning that you need to experience because um, being a pro baseball player is hard mentally sometimes. Next up, it is the uh, Josh Jackson, Casey golden Memorial category of the year. And that is actually, it's kind of not because this is the prospect to hit most homers in major league baseball this year. We know who Josh is picking when we get to the minor league one, um, Josh, your, your prospect to hit the most homers in major league baseball this year. You know, I went with Casey Golden. Um, <laughs> I went with Kalanick. Um, you know, and the more, and I think if that's true, then he then he beats Vaughn for Rookie of the Year. Also, my my Rookie of the Year pick. Um, I mean, I thought about going for Vaughn. I if I'm if if I'm like gonna sit down and watch a home run derby though, I'm picking Kalanick between those two. Probably, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm, <laughs> I picked Kellenick, so I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, Kelsey. Uh, I went with Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, he was one of Good the call. home run leaders for most of spring. He ended up one shy of the lead, but, you know, he had 32 homers in 2018. He had 27 in 2019 and then eight in his you know, a limited major league debut last year. I think the green monster will be his friend. Um, and I just, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck homers just seems so normal and, you know, like it just happens all the time. So I'm going with Bobby Dalbeck. Sam. Bobby Dalbeck was my last second choice. And then I took him out just because the strikeouts scared me. And I, I went with Kelnick too as well. Um, not because I think the, what I heard about Kelnick is that his power progression is what's really taken off last year at the alt site. And he's continued to build on that side of the game. Um, you know, the, coming at his first full season, he hit 23 homers playing at three different levels. Um, what happens when he really situates himself? Uh, and, you know, the top level is not playing at low A, high A, and double A. I get that. Uh, but I think the way his power can take off, um, we could see a 30 homer season out of him. We could also see like a 30-30 season out of him, which would be a big deal. Um, I, I think Dahlbeck certainly has the power advantage over Kelnick, but he might not make enough contact. Um, so Kelnick's my choice, and I think it could actually be a very decent race here between the, the guys we've mentioned so far, between Kelnick, Dalbeck, and Vaughn. Um, th those were, I think, the three big candidates for me. And I was going to go with Vaughn. Um, you know, I love him as part of that lineup. Obviously, they don't have Aloy Jimenez now, but um, I still feel like that White Sox lineup is just so well-structured. Um, I love what Andrew Vaughn does. I love his game. I love his approach. Uh, and, the you know, the power grades at 60 for him. I, I feel like he um, is the type of guy who can just go on those binge sort of runs, hitting a lot of homers, uh, you know, over a quick span um, throughout some stretches during the season. So I'm, uh, I'm going with Andrew Vaughn. The pitching side of this category um, is the most strikeouts for a prospect in Major League Baseball in 2021. Josh, who you got? Um, I went with Casey Mize. And – uh, I think, you know, <clears throat> he had not, a, not 
not a wonderful spring. He had a less than perfect spring that if, if people are people who uh, get upset or get down on a guy because of the way he pitches in spring training, then Casey Mize is a guy you're going to get down about. However, he, his strikeouts were there the whole time. He, he you know, um, you know, every one of those games he went out and, and he posted some strikeouts. He had 27 strikeouts in, in 18 and two thirds innings. And he's capable of that when he's, not pitching that well so so uh i yeah i think i think he's he's gonna lead rookies with strikeouts in the majors this year kelsey i had casey mize actually and then i got scared off but um i decided instead to go back to the marlins because apparently that's what we keep doing the marlins are the mariners uh, but i went with trevor rogers uh lefty the marlins number seven prospect he was one off the lead of strikeouts in spring training this year. I know, like you said, spring training doesn't always, you know, mean anything one way or the other. Um, but in 2019, his last full, you know, full season in general, he had 150 strikeouts in 135 plus innings. Um, he had 39 in the majors last year in just 28 innings. His fastball touches 97. His changeup has improved. So I just think that Trevor Rogers will be a lot of fun to watch. And Sam, I really, I actually, that, that was not a pick I had considered, and I like that one a lot. Yeah, it is a good one. Either way, yeah, Trevor Rogers could could sneak in there. Um, my pick, I, sticking in the same division, is Ian Anderson. Um, Ian Anderson last year, by the time the postseason rolled around, was basically the Braves' number two starter behind Max Fried. Now they're adding back Mike Soroka. They they got in Charlie Morton. He moves down the pecking order a little bit, but he was as dominant a starter as anybody looked in the postseason. Did not look like a rookie whatsoever. Uh, the way he was able to do that was with a devastating changeup that wasn't really a huge part of his game coming up through the minors. He was really a fastball curveball type of guy. And, uh, but now showing that changeup, like it's a legit third option. It was devastating uh, against major league hitters. We'll see what happens when they adjust back, but he struck out 41 batters in 32 and a third innings uh, during the regular season, took no hitters pretty deep in, in the postseason as well. Uh, slides right back into that Atlanta rotation. And then the debate, I think, for a lot of this spring, and that's kind of tapered off knowing that one of these other guys won't open the year in the major league rotation. And we find out today he's got some shoulder issues. But the debate for a while felt like, who's the better prospect, Ian Anderson or Sixto Sanchez? Ian Anderson has been durable pretty much his entire uh, pro career so far. Building up his innings, he threw 119 and a third in 2018, threw 135 and two thirds in, in 2019. Again, through 32 and a thirds during the regular season last year, but never showed signs of breaking down, obviously. Um, so he has the durability on his side. He can, I think he can pitch deeper into a season uh, this year than and your typical pitching prospect would do uh, in 2021. So the package of pitches is there. I think he can pitch for a long time. That's how you are going to rack up strikeouts in the majors. And uh, so Andy Anderson is my pick. Um, I'm staying in that division. I'm staying uh, with a guy on one of the teams already named, but my surprise pick, I'm going with Sixto Sanchez, who I know is not starting the season in the major leagues, uh, had some visa issues uh, already is kind of shelved to begin the season, but um, his stuff is so good. I mean, it came on the second start of his major league career. He struck out 10 through seven shutout innings uh, against the Rays last August. The strikeouts are going to come and they're going to come a lot for him. Um, you know, we'll see. He was brilliant in the playoffs uh, during the the brief run that the, I shouldn't even really say brief run for the Marlins, that playoff run for the 
the Marlins was pretty fun, but um, six strikeouts in his first playoff appearance against the Cubs um, in that series. I just love what he brings as a, a eventual ace for that staff. And uh, man, they are in really good hands right now, but I will say bring back the fish sculpture in center field. I hate that the home run sculpture is gone in Miami. It was weird and it was dumb and it was perfect. It's going to be the Lone Depot home run sculpture. Yeah, with a, with a, a <laughs> lowercase case. L and a lowercase P, but a capitalized D for some reason. I don't know what those folks are doing. Um, so with that, we arrive at our final category, which is pennant winners and World Series picks. Joshua Jackson, kick us off. I'm sorry. There I like had myself muted, um, but here I am and I'm picking the New York Yankees uh, to win the American league pennant. And I'm picking the Dodgers of Los Angeles to win the, the uh, national league pennant. And I think everybody will complain about the world series being a big market. Except for TV executives. You'll be well, thrilled. that's exactly what all the complainers will Work. say. <laughs> oh, this is all the TV executives. And, and but it's like, well, there's a reason for that. And it's because everybody will have a great time watching that. Like everybody oh, will secretly love that World Series. I would love that series. I would and, probably complain about it, but I would love it. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Saving yeah. this tape right now for Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Because he is going to complain about it, along with the rest of you out there on radio. <laughs> all going to complain about it you're all going to hate it except that you're actually not you're all going to love it it's going to be incredible and uh i'm picking those new york yankees to win that series okay kelsey annigan yeah i also um went with the yankees and then i went with another favorite in the braves you know bringing back all the 90s trends and so braves and yankees and their homegrown talent are just going to keep going um I kind of wanted to pick the Padres. I thought that would be fun, but I just don't think they're quite there yet. But, you know, in the next four years, maybe. Um, but then I have the Yankees winning it all. You know, Garrett Cole is pitching in front of Yankees fans, what he's always dreamed of. Um, maybe get Brett Gardner a ring in his final year, if, if it is that. Um, yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with picking favorites. And, uh, you know, like Josh said, it's fun when really good teams are playing. So, yeah. Yankees, Braves, Yankees win. Sam. Uh, I am going to go the Chicago White Sox. Okay. I don't think they're going to have the best record. I think that is going to be the Yankees. Um, But I really like that Lance Lynn trade for them. I think that really takes them over the top. And signing somebody like Liam Hendricks, I think is huge. Um, The idea, uh, we'll see how these two are going to work out. But Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet, being in semi-prominent roles for them. I mean, we saw what happened when they brought up crochet last year, throwing a hundred mile an hour bullets. Kopech can do the same thing if they can stay healthy for the entire year. Um, but put those two guys in your bullpen during the postseason, or give them starting spots if they are stretched out enough. Like that's crazy considering they already have Giolito. They already have Lynn like that. That pitching staff, I think is going to be pretty good. Um, it really hurts them that they lost Aloy Jimenez. I get that. Um, but being able to use Andrew Vaughn and have him solidify his place is going to be a good thing. Getting a full year at Nick Madrigal, I think, is going to be a good thing. So I got the Chicago White Sox in the AL. In the NL, I have the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm just going to go chalk. Like, I really don't see a way that anybody really works their way around it. I think this is the year maybe we start to talk about Walker Bueller 
we already are talking about him as like one of the best starters in baseball, but like maybe an elite top three pitcher in baseball. Um, he just keeps improving at year upon year upon year. And it, it very much is Kershaw's team, but like Bueller is the definite ace of that, that club. And we all forgot about Gavin Lux. Like Gavin Lux is still there and hitting like eighth on that team right now. Um, he could very well have the season this year that we thought he was going to have last year and be one of the best young talents in the game and just keep plugging those guys in. They brought back Justin Turner. Um, Mookie Betts is there for 162 games this year. It's a good thing for them. Um, so I, I've got the Dodgers in the NL, and then I think the Dodgers are just too deep. Uh, I, it, it really sucks picking a repeat. I feel like that's too easy. Um, but you just look at the depth of their organization. And who else could, like, come up? Like, Kiebert Ruiz would be the starting catcher for a lot of other clubs. He's, like, third on their depth chart right now because they have two really good catchers as is. And Josiah Gray, I really hope he gets some major league time this year. He could be a big piece for them and play the role that Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin did for them last year during their postseason run. They keep getting deeper. Um, maybe this is the year that that farm system hits the wall, but it's not there yet. And the fact that they have more replacements at the ready to already help an incredibly deep major league team, I think gets them over the top. So Dodgers over the White Sox for me. I'm actually okay with doing this because it's our very last category, but I picked the same thing as Sam. Uh, and I feel like to have made it to this point and not to say like, Oh, I picked the same thing as somebody else. I feel kind of good about that. But yeah, I had the same white Sox, AL uh, Dodgers in the NL and, uh, and the Dodgers winning it. It's, it's weird because I feel like that team is so <clears throat> clearly the best team in baseball, but we have not had a repeat world series champion since 2000, the Yankees winning three straight from 98 to 2000. That is the last repeat champion in major league baseball which is kind of stunning because the narrative for baseball for so long was oh it's only the big market teams are the only ones that win the national football league has the same like five teams in the afc and nfc championship games every year uh and the same one guy wins the super bowl every year it's been kind of nice that major league baseball has actually had a lot of parity um so it is weird picking a repeat champ when it seems very unlikely that we will have one just given recent history, but the Dodgers are just so good, man. And the fact that, yeah, exactly. Like you said, Gavin Lux is like an eight hitter in that lineup. Um, you know, I heard a, there was a great point that Dave Fleming made um, on the the broadcast on ESPN earlier today. We're recording this on opening day. You look at Hinjin Ryu and Kenta Maeda, two guys who were on that squad last year, they go out and make opening day starts for other teams. The Dodgers were like, man, we don't need these guys. And other teams were like, okay, you're literally our best pitcher now. Um, that's how talented that team is. They're ridiculous. And uh, it that, that race, if the Padres get it all put together, that race is going to be as fun as everybody, I think, uh, hopes and expects that it will be. Um, and I'm continuing to talk as uh, Daniel Bard tries to close out an opening day win over the Dodgers for the Colorado Rockies, which would put the Rockies on the road to 162-0. Uh, you know, you got to start somewhere journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. Um, so it's, it's just a lot of nervous energy from over here, but we, we, we did it. We made it all the way through. It's incredible. That was good. That yeah. Was good. I think I actually saw that MLB has the longest stretch without a repeat winner of any professional American sport. I believe you are correct, which yeah. is, yeah, the, the narrative has been so not that way about baseball for right. so long. And I was like, well, what about the Myers? But we have had, we have had repeats in the Myers. So, True. so that Thanks. is included. Thanks Columbus Clippers. Woo. Daniel Bard got the job done. Oh goodness gracious. Um, everyone, this was fantastic as it always is. Sam took copious notes, wrote everything down and uh, now we'll, we'll, <laughs> 
<laughs> and now we'll compare all these things uh, until once we get to the end. It's then we're we're gonna figure out who is smartest. Right? Yeah. This works. And we get to do this again in a month uh, for the mileage. Exactly. Exactly. And Casey uh, Golden that. rides again. Is the Casey Golden is. Show returns. I already have a pick that's not Casey Golden. We'll see if it changes by. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's called a month tease it's <laughs> a long tease the, well uh, i thought like days. we might end up talking about it tonight and some you know i just wanted to be ready for for contingencies here i like it i like it josh yeah. uh <laughs> bunch of fun josh jackson kelsey anakin who you can find on twitter uh josh jackson is a josh jackson m-i-l-b correct yeah and yeah smart. okay man i love bagels at- <laughs> But the eyes lowercase. Kelsey Hennigan is at Kelsey underscore Hennigan. And uh, you two, thanks as always. Can't wait to do it again in a month. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Out there in. Out there. I already dropped a radio land bit <laughs> earlier today. Come on. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Benjamin Hill joins the show next. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Benjamin Hill joins the show as we uh, open the month of April, getting closer and closer to minor league opening day coming up the first week in May. Hey, Ben, how are you? Hey, guys, I'm doing all right. And uh, you're right. It is almost minor league baseball season. We are getting there. Our long national nightmare is almost over. (sighs) Thankfully. I can't wait. Um, we are, uh, yeah, just a few weeks away now, four weeks ish, four and a half weeks ish from uh, the opening of the minor league season. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about this week with you as front offices uh, get set for this 2021 campaign. There is one major league team uh, located in the nation north of the border in Canada. There is also one minor league team located in one uh, nation north of the border in Canada, and uh, they have a couple of things in common. One, they're all part of the Toronto Blue Jays family. Um, but two, they will be playing in the United States to start the season. The Blue Jays kicking off the season in Dunedin, Florida, at their spring training home. The Vancouver Canadians, uh, longtime partners of the Toronto Blue Jays, now at the high A level, they will open their season in the States as well, kind of setting up shop uh, in a, a former Northwest League faux home and now a, a high A level foes home at the Hillsborough hops kind of get to be roommates to start this year. Tell us about that story. Yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, with uh, crossing the border still uh, not feasible for professional sports franchises. Uh, it is funny how um, in the case of both the Toronto blue Jays playing in a minor league facility or their spring training facility, but also the home of the uh, Dunedin blue Jays, 
So on one hand, you have what had been a minor league ballpark, a spring training ballpark, hosting a major league team. Uh, in a way, it's you know kind of similar to Buffalo hosting the uh, Blue Jays last season. And then on the minor league level, with the Vancouver Canadians, members of the Northwest League, they announced just a couple days ago they cannot uh, start their season feasibly in Vancouver and have you know road trips across the border, teams coming in to visit them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there is a border closure. So their um, solution was to partner with the Hillsborough, Hillsborough Hops, who play in you know, the greater Portland, Oregon area. And uh, the Vancouver Canadians are going to play in Hillsborough basically as guests of the Hops. They will play their home games in Hillsborough. And uh, we'll definitely be checking in with Hillsborough um, in the near future. Uh, or at least right around the time the season gets started to see how this all works out logistically. Uh, it's funny to think because the Hillsborough Hops um, up until this year were a Class A short, se- Class a short season uh, Northwest League club, meaning they played a 76-game schedule and only 38 home games a season. So they've hosted 38 games at home for the entirety of their franchise history, which goes back to, I believe, a 2013 inaugural season, I want to say. Now... After taking the whole year off, I mean, not taking it off like a vacation, but after being no baseball in 2020, the hops are coming into a reality in which, A, they are a full season team now uh, going forward in the in the reconstituted Northwest League, which is now called the uh, High A West. So Hillsborough is now a full season team in the High A West. And on top of that, they're hosting two teams worth of home games. So after doing 38 games a year uh, per season for their entire existence, I was looking at the schedule yesterday, and they will essentially, by mid-June, have hosted 38 games in 2021, and uh, you know, hosting more more games in less than six weeks than they've ever hosted in a single season before. So uh, that will be interesting, and we'll be checking in with them when uh, once the season gets a little closer to see how, uh, after such a long layoff, already adjusting to be a full season club, how they end up uh, hosting. Uh, two teams at once. And of course, there is precedent for that in the minor leagues. We, of course, are reminded of uh, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Yankees of several years ago. I believe that was either 2012, I believe, when during a stadium renovation, they had to play that whole season on the road. And the Rochester Red Wings hosted Scranton for like two thirds of their games um, with Scranton playing in Rochester as the home team. Uh, So these kind of anomalous circumstances have resulted before. And uh, it's kind of interesting because you're already kind of burning the candle at both ends, working in minor league baseball, being involved in minor league baseball and have two teams worth of home games are kind of interesting, but we are very much in a scenario where everyone's improvising. And one interesting facet of that scheduling is, you know, we know that teams are going to be doing six game series. Now series basically is going to take the entire week with one off day, but Vancouver's home opener was scheduled for May 11th. Then they were supposed to travel to Hillsborough for their next series on May 18th. So Vancouver is going to be in Hillsborough for four of its first five weeks, um, which is kind of crazy. But just to kind of paint us a picture here, Ben, and I know you said you're going to be checking in with the Hops and the Canadians to see how this new brotherhood is kind of working. But what can you tell us about Ron Tonkin Field and, and what it's like to, to watch a game there now that we know a lot of minor league baseball will be played there in the month of May and potentially beyond that? Yeah, well, it's one of the newer ballparks in that uh, aforementioned league. Uh, I'm going to get used to it. The High A West League, which uh, in- involves six teams that were had been in the uh, Northwest League. So the High A West, Hillsborough Hops, 
Um, that ballpark opened in, I do want to say 2013. I know I visited during the inaugural season. You know, it was a, a big deal. It's always a big deal when a ballpark opens, but it also marks the return of uh, minor league baseball to Portland, if not Portland specifically, uh, but the Portland area, because the Portland Beavers uh, ended up relocating and first to Tucson and then El Paso. So uh, the Portland market, which has generally had minor league baseball in some form or another for over 100 years, uh, didn't for a couple of years. And then the hops came. And even if they don't play in city limits, they definitely have a great market to represent in the greater Portland area, uh, Portlandia, as it were. And so the ballpark is part of a larger athletic complex. So it's not the most scenic area in terms of, you know, uh, big buildings or uh, natural beauty. Uh, but, you know, all the, of course, all the amenities, player amenities uh, are on point. And uh, I really like how the hops operate just, you know, promotionally, aesthetically. Um, the mascot, Barley, the hop, um, it, it's, it's always been like a really good place to play, really good place to work, you know, really great market to draw out of. And um, I mean, yes, there is some proximity to Vancouver, but more than that, you know, I think this was an operation and a setting in a ballpark that is pretty well equipped uh, to take on uh, the extra players and the extra space. And uh, I'm sure they're working out a lot of those logistics now, how to, how to handle all this. Yeah. And that's something that we see uh, super often in the minor league landscape. This is going to be really cool to watch. Uh, we say it'll be really cool to watch. I'm sure it'll be uh, a little tiresome for the folks in Hillsborough, but if there is a staff equipped to handle it, the Hillsborough hops are certainly uh, among those. Ben, we're, um, you know, a month away from opening day as you get closer and closer with kind of hopefully the normalcy of a minor league season returning. Uh, we know it's not going to be normal right out of the gate. There'll be crowd limits and there'll be social distancing and all that type of stuff. But uh, when you talk with people around minor league front offices and the, you know, the people that we've heard so much from in years past about promo schedules and about, uh, you know, booking acts and about the, the concessions items that they do. What is the sense in front offices right now? We've had, you know, it feels like a decade, but a year and a half really since we last saw minor league baseball on fields. Do you feel like people, especially with the season being pushed back to May, are they grateful that you get the last few weeks for that sprint up to opening day? Or do you feel like everybody's just ready to get this thing going now? I think A and B. I mean, on one hand, more time is always necessary, especially in adjusting to, um, you know, a still changing landscape of exactly what the reality is uh, with COVID and what those protocols are. And, you know, there's going to be a lot more onerous restrictions in terms of how the teams operate and travel and, and uh, run as a front office. Um, so on one hand, I think all the time that you can get as possible to adjust to, um, you know, these realities dictates coming in from major league baseball, understanding, uh, you know, the changing relationship, you know, with state and local restrictions. I think on that level, it's great to have as much time as possible um, because we are not in a static, you know, hundred percent, everything's normal. Let's go situation yet. So on one hand, that's good. Let's uh, delay it as long as possible so that when it starts, uh, it can be as smooth as possible. On the other hand, yeah, we haven't had minor league baseball in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, regular season minor league baseball since Labor Day of 2019. Now here we are talking in April 2021, and we're still talking about more than a month to get this season started. So on the other level, it's like, come on, we've had enough offseason. We had all the offseason we need. We spent an entire offseason in 2020 completely preparing for a season that wasn't happened, that didn't happen. So, um, you know, I think it's a mix of like, okay, hey, cool. We have some time to figure this out and also like, let's go, come on. There's nothing more that can be accomplished during this off season. Uh, if that makes sense, kind of, you know, feeling it, uh, you know, on both sides. 
Um, but little things, you know, I've been pointing this, this, this kind of stuff out on Twitter, but even just getting an email, you know, the kind of email that you, you know, if it wasn't your team, you know, you just delete right away. <clears throat> you know, I'm on a lot of mailing lists, press release lists, whatever. Um, but just getting an email, like I think one of the first ones I saw was Omaha Storm Chasers just saying, you know, single game tickets are on sale. Not even for the whole season, but just for like a short, you know, little group of games, but just being like, whoa, look at that. It's not season tickets. It's not mini plans. It's just a game and it's happening soon. And you can go to their website or call them and spend 12 bucks or whatever for a ticket to see a specific game on a specific date and the team is selling them. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound very remarkable, but it had been so long since something like that, since season, just since single game tickets are on sale, since you know promo schedules have been released. Still haven't seen too many of those, but those are starting to trickle out. And these small signs of normalcy, as mundane as they are now, are just kind of like, whoa, it's really happening. It's really happening. You can get a ticket. You can mark down a calendar where there's going to be a bobblehead given away. Obviously, we're starting to see rosters, you know, obviously in Major League Baseball, it's opening day, but it's being like, okay, I have a sense that this prospect I want to see is going to be on this team, and this team is selling tickets, and I can maybe go to this game. All those little things uh, to finally see that this puzzle finally, <laughs> you know, falling into place, getting completed uh, is really exciting. Yeah, we'll, we'll take wins however we can find them. And, and very quickly, Ben, before we let you go, I did want to touch on this, um, speaking of wins and, and finding them wherever we can. Uh, you had tweeted earlier in the week that the Chattanooga Lookouts mascot was, quote, mascot napped as part of a ballpark burglary. Uh, but there is a happy ending here. Just update everybody on that real quick. Yeah, Louie, L-O-O-I-E, Louie the Lookout, the mascot for the Chattanooga Lookouts. Um, I was looking, trying to find his bio because I'm not exactly sure what species he is. But, you know, he's a big head and a mustache pretty much all the way across his, his uh you know, under his lower lip, but almost like wrapping all the way around to the back of his head. All I'm saying is he's a very unique individual and uh, some absolute bumbling dunderheads broke into the lookouts uh, ballpark. And on March 30th, it was reported that several things were missing, including Louie. He had been mascot napped. And, uh, you know, the Chattanooga PD had out, you know, social media posts on Twitter and Facebook. The team was putting it out and saying like, if you've seen Louie, you know, here's the number to call, like literally call the police, not as a joke, call the police. If you've seen Louie, the Chattanooga Lookouts mascot and thinking like you idiot, you idiot mascot nappers. I mean, you can't just blend Louie into normal society. What's your end game here? Is it a ransom? Whatever. But uh, this didn't go on very long. Um, while some of the other things that were stolen and I don't know the inventory, some of the other things that have been stolen, you know, have not been recovered. But on the morning, early in the morning on March 31st, um, a worker for the Chattanooga Aquarium, the uh, Chattanooga has an aquarium that's very close to the ballpark in downtown Chattanooga. An electrician who works for the Chattanooga Aquarium, 4.45 in the morning, found Louie. And, uh, you know, called the police, called the team, talked to whoever you need to talk to to uh, make sure that Louie was uh, safely transferred back to the ballpark. And he will be there on opening day after his brief but terrifying uh, experience being mascot napped. You know, I think we need to get on this case. Homer, the dragon from the Charlotte Knights, he put out a fire last month or whatever that was. Maybe his investigative skills are as good as his firefighting skills. He's just the first guy now that we contact for everything. The first, the first mascot who gets our uh, our emergency calls. See, I think you know how, like on NBC now, there's like Chicago everything. There's Chicago yeah. PD, Chicago yeah. Fire. So we we have Homer as like the firebrand version oh okay okay so we we need now the detective like a law and order mascot investigative thing 
Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, but but just Homer, he's it's all Homer centric. Paw Patrol. I think this is a great idea. A great idea. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but just in the interest of accountability, I do want to point out that when we talked about Homer, the mascot, the dragon mascot, putting out a fire in Charlotte, that Tyler. I did. Started to advance conspiracy theories saying that maybe <laughs> Homer started the fire himself. Homer started the fire. And he literally one breathed later, fire. And then all of a sudden something's on fire around him. <laughs> so are you saying Louis stole himself? Is that what you're trying to say, Tyler? <laughs> um, it's, you know. Man, yeah, was it all publicity stuff? Louis, Louis, was, Louis was essentially being Homer Simpson in that episode where he throws uh, like a like a mocked up version of himself off of a river, like a cliff into a waterfall. He's just trying to get the day <laughs> off of work. Louis just mascot napped himself. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Not one or another. It's, it could have been Louis. could have been Homer. It could have been, uh, you know, some, some bumbling dunderheads, as he said. <laughs> We're just happy he's back. That's all. We're happy he's back. Oh man, Benjamin Hill, you can find on Twitter. He is at Ben's Biz. And uh Ben, we're we're so excited to get to a point where we're, you know, talking about promos and talking about things happening in ballparks and all that type of stuff and getting you back on the road. And it just feels, you know, for so long over the last year and a half, it's been like I don't want to let any of this happiness in yet. But uh it feels like we're getting close and I just can't wait for it, man. And uh and thanks for this stuff. And I'm very glad that uh, that Louis is back in safe hands. Yeah, I am too. And uh I'll lay off the conspiracy theories from now, but always great talking to you guys. And yeah, of course I'm excited to get back on the road, but even just uh, got a lot of great material in the pipeline. And as, as we get closer to opening day, um, yeah, I feel like the floodgates are opening. I feel like uh, I'm going to stop at the metaphors. because <laughs> kind of like natural disaster related metaphors. And that's not the, the uh, optimistic vibe You're I'm going for. Rising from yeah, the ashes. A lot is coming. Yes. It's time to rise again. Thank you. Exactly. Thanks, man. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Sam. What a fun episode to catch up with the uh, the Milb crew, Kelsey Hennigan, Josh Jackson, Benjamin Hill, all joining the show. Big thanks to all three of them. And uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Sam, happy opening day, buddy. Not for happy you. Happy opening day. Not for you. Being a Red Sox guy, a mass native. Rain? Bad rain? Bad rain, apparently. Gotcha. Although I will give a, a quick shout out uh, to my friend, Brian Burke, one of my closest friends from childhood, uh, is doing the flyover. FM. Wow, cool. Um, so yeah, one of my friends today just started up this like text chain of everybody boasting about what they've been doing lately. And one of my friends is like going to Florida to work for NASA briefly. And like one guy has done some stuff for, um, you know, Tesla and then, Brian was just like, oh, yeah, I'm flying over Fenway tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, fine. Your friends are like, I only cover mind. baseball for a living, but they don't let me go to Fenway. It's, you had to put in hundreds of hours of flight training and <laughs> thousands upon thousands of miles of, you know, going over the globe. But, yeah, sure, you get to go to Fenway, and I have to sit at home. Your friends are much no. cooler than my friends. My friends are like, <laughs> I mean, cleaning up it was baby a surprise to up. me. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm yeah. jealous. I want to be friends with your friends. Let's make that happen.
You can make uh, that happen. <laughs> My friends are your friends. Um, also, uh, you know, just as we get closer and closer to minor league opening day, uh, to major league opening day, one thing that we have continued to stress over the last year and a half, keep wearing your masks, keep washing your hands, keep, uh, your social yes, distance, all that kind of stuff. Um, we know, you know, obviously this week there was some discussion about a, a potential fourth wave for COVID. I know a lot of you, uh, have already been able to get vaccinated, which is great, but, uh, keep doing the right things because now that we're starting to see fans and ballparks, uh, people returning to the places that we love so much. It's so neat. The, the partnership between major league baseball and the, the NFL and the NHL and the NBA and the WNBA and major league soccer and all these organizations about getting vaccinated. So we can all get back to doing the things we love. That's been so cool to see. Let's all keep doing our part until we get there. Cause we're so close. Um, and we cannot wait to be in ballparks with you all, uh, across the country in very short order. And, uh, Feels good, man. Feels good that uh, we got to watch some real baseball today. I love it. It really did. It really did. And hear like actual crowd cheers and yeah. actual crowd boos at yeah. time as well. Um, but again, like, yeah, you have to keep being safe while if you are going to the ballpark at all, like make sure you are not ruining this for everybody else because the minor league season has not started yet. We just got off, you know, the phone with, with Ben there for a while. And he was saying like, everybody feels like, let's get this going. We're, we're, there we're ready we want to do this and i would hate for like you said a fourth wave to come and the minor league season start but it's in front of fewer fans than we were expecting right we are so close we are like every day that you do the responsible thing is the day we are closer to getting full stadiums everywhere everywhere yeah. and that that's what i can't wait for it today was a great small taste uh but in order to get the whole pie we need to keep doing the safe thing so yeah but happy opening day, everybody. Happy really, opening really day, everybody. And uh, we will be back with you next week as we get closer and closer to the start of the minor league baseball season. He's Sam Dykes, I'm Tyler Mott. We'll talk to you then. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.